0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and that kind of sucked. The New York Knicks fell 107-90 to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a game that probably wasn't that close. The good news, I'm joined by Ariel Pacheco to help break down what went wrong and what the Knicks can fix heading into Game 3 right now on Locked On Knicks.
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day.
1: And I think we see Willis
0: coming out. There he comes right now. Stalks. Without a five. Ruins for the red. Yes. Stalks and pucks left. Now fires a three. And
1: he's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Bang. That one goes to back. Randall
0: puts up a three. Bang. Bang. Randall right down the three. It becomes infectious. It
1: becomes infectious.
0: You are Locked On Knicks, and I wanted to remind you to download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm um, talking to you. I'm Gavin Schell, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I wanted to thank you for being in every day or tuning into Locked On Knicks all five days of the week and making us your first listen on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I won't belabor it long. Uh, We are going to get into it with Ariel Pacheco. Tough, 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 tough night for the New York Knicks. But you know what? Um, Hopefully, things turn around. And the good news is uh, the Knicks are still tied one-to-one with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got their win on the road. That is all you can ask for. And now have a chance to come back to MSG and take control of this series. If you can't make the game on Friday night at 8.30... Um, that's a bummer because MSG is going to be rocking, but there's a great alternative option. You can catch every Epic moment with SiriusXM XM on the S X M app. All you have to do is search Knicks. I'm going to be coming back on the train, uh, from long Island from a broadcast at the start of this one. So I'm going to be checking out the start of Knicks cavs maybe all of it on the S X M app. All right, without further ado, uh, let's get into it with Ariel Pacheco all right guys as promised we are joined by my good buddy ariel pacheco um you can check out all of his fantastic film threads breaking down nick's wins and losses that's right ariel I'm, I'm holding you to doing one on this game um on his twitter at a pacheco MBA. uh appreciate you joining me um this is normally um i i rely on you for your analysis i'm still gonna do that but this is going to double as, as a therapy session for me you because you're, you're a very upbeat guy, and I, I need a little bit of that. Um, after the Knicks fall to the Cavs, 107 to 90. Um, I I don't I don't want to throw my specific angst about this game on you. I'll I'll, I'll let you lead the way. W- what was the number one reason that this game was uh, a borderline disaster uh, for the Knicks?
1: I think it was a bunch of, like, small issues that kind of compounded itself. Um, I think the Cavs found a way to kind of Take advantage of Brunson defensively. They they found some things with LaVert. Um, they found some minutes with Danny Green, which um I, I think if they can just find guys who don't hurt them, it's a big deal for them. And and we saw that this game. I think um on the offensive end it was where the Knicks problems really showed they couldn't take care of the basketball. Um, bunch of turnovers. Um and then also they just the Knicks didn't have anyone outside of like Brunson and Randall who could consistently create. It felt like everybody else either didn't have it going or was tentative or it, it, it just, the Cavs really banked on that. And, and it kind of felt like a role reversal from like game one when the Knicks kind of took advantage of the Cavs, not having anybody who could score outside of Mitchell that game. So for, you know, Garland, some spurts, but then tonight it felt like the Cavs were just kind of sold out all on Brunson and Randall and dared someone else to beat them. And, and the Knicks just didn't do it.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think my initial read on this game was that, it, it kind of all came down to the Cavs finding a fifth guy. And, and look, Karis Levert was spectacular, right? 24 points. But, but to what you just said, um, there was this great stat, a uh, New York basketball posted on Twitter. The Knicks in the regular season, 28-1 and 1 when they held opponents under 109 points. Granted, uh, Cleveland probably gets, the, I don't know, 115, 120. Like they, I, they couldn't have named their number, but they certainly could have scored more than they ultimately did. In this ball game, but it weirdly enough, it probably wasn't the Knicks defense that doomed them. Their offense was just completely anemic, and it wasn't really great last game either. But the defense was so spectacular, and no, and no one on Cleveland outside of Donovan Mitchell could make them pay. It was sort of enough to overcome it, but it felt like all the problems in, in game one, instead of getting better, were just exacerbated. Like, obviously, Josh Hart um, playing on a bum ankle didn't have nearly the same juice. Um, when the Knicks got off to an early 12-4 to lead, maybe it was a sign of things to come that that was essentially all Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle propping up that lead. R.J. Barrett still couldn't hit a shot. Emmanuel quickly was, I mean, maybe that's the worst thing out of all that. Like he was non-existent for the second straight game. Um, I I guess um, like looking at this game and looking forward, what would you diagnose as the Knicks' core problems offensively? Like there was just a distinct lack of ball movement from what I saw, but what what were you seeing that kind of held them up?
1: I think they just need they need IQ to to be IQ again. Um, most importantly, they just need someone else who can break down the Cavs defense. It's kind of all on Brunson and Randall right now. Um, I thought RJ showed a little bit in that third quarter and the second half too, um, kind of with the passing. I think his finishing and his shot is still really you know hurting the Knicks on that end. But they they need one of those two guys to to really find a rhythm. Um, it, it's just tough when. The, the only guy you have to, to, to really get their own shot and create for others is Brunson. Um, and the Cavs are just selling out all on him. They need someone else who can kind of relieve that pressure from it, and it just hasn't happened through two games, even though they did win that first game. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a concern. Um, hopefully being back at home at the Garden, home crowd, you know, it's a little easier to play, play in, especially in the playoffs, especially for, like, younger guys and role players. So I guess that's kind of what you kind of have to bank on if you're the Knicks. But if not, it gets a little more concerning.
0: Yeah, and I, I think this this maybe isn't fair because they were both obviously I mean, very similar to what Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland saw in game one. Um the Cavs were were sending just two, sometimes three bodies at both Randall and Brunson, it felt like every time they touched the ball. But I didn't think either of them necessarily did a good good enough job weaponizing that as playmakers like you you can look at the assist numbers and that's that's not even totally fair to either of them because sometimes they like brunson i remember at one point hit ob on a, a picture perfect cross court pass and ob shot the three about five feet over the hoop so that that's not on brunson but brunson finishes this game um 20 points but just five of 17 from the field had six assists um compounded that with two turnovers julius randle th- this was a big issue to me just one assist in this game i i felt particularly earlier on in the game those two could have done more to to maybe create Easy shots, but I guess, I guess in their defense, like no one was making those shots and, and I'm with you. I look, I was ready to go all in on Tibbs um, about playing RJ Barrett as much as he did because I I thought RJ sucked and it, at points. He was kind of trying to be the hero in the first half. Like he took like a contested mid-range pull up jumper, a shot that he's pretty much eliminated from his shot diet this year. Um, he tried to take a hook shot over Evan Mobley, which really doesn't seem like a good idea. Even if he was good at that shot. But man, Emmanuel quickly. I mean, as much as Josh Hart changed the trajectory of this team, quickly playing at a, a borderline All Star level, the second half of this um, season completely flipped what this Knicks team is. And it, you look at the final stat line: all at right, four for eight, twelve points, two steals. Almost all of that production came in garbage time. Does he just look hesitant to you? Like, how would like what what would you pin his
1: issues as? I think it's a little bit of. Uh, I think it's some of it is hesitancy. And, you know, he did look tentative, especially in that first game. And then I think the Cavs are, like, doing a really good job of pressuring him with the ball. You can see him picking up the ball a lot. Um, he's a little bit uncertain. I think they've also done a good job of uh, of scouting him. Every time he leaves his feet, the, the Cavs are just ready to jump on every pass. He likes to hit the weak side corner. Um, Garland in particular has just been on that every time. Um, so I, I think the Cavs, even in that last regular season game that they had against each other, I thought the Cavs defended uh, quickly pretty well. So I think part of it is scouting, but I do think he he's kind of lacked an aggression that kind of is what made him have that great second half of the season that he had in particular. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing for him is just, he, he can't be afraid to make mistakes. And when he does make those mistakes, they can't compound upon each other. And what what makes quickly quickly is the fact that he just doesn't have a conscience when it comes to like scoring and, and shooting, yeah. you know, and, and he needs to play with that kind of gravitas to, to get back into rhythm and without it it's gonna be really tough for the Knicks to to win four out of seven but um I'm a little more confident especially after that fourth quarter he got into a little bit of rhythm you did say that the stats most of it wasn't garbage time but but sometimes that's all someone needs is to just see the ball go in the basket a couple times so
0: yeah I think I think what surprises me the most is just that he he really hasn't had hasn't been able again until the fourth quarter to be able to get any separation um in the half court in in one-on-one situations and um Maybe it's because the Cavs like don't totally respect his shot right now, and he he hasn't made a three um yet, or at least maybe let me look real quick. Did he make one in the fourth? I um, mean, yeah, he made one in the fourth, but up until that point, hadn't made a three yet in this series. Um, but they're not like closing out on him particularly hard. Like they don't really seem to fear him, and it's almost like he's he's kind of bought into their lack of fear of him, and and isn't is like even he had Darius Garland on him a couple of times, and Garland garland clamped him and and honestly it was the same thing with with brunson a little bit and to me that was one of the more shocking parts of this game Ariel, where the knicks had so much because like you and i were, were talking about it on twitter a little bit the other day um with grime setting screens for brunson and brunson getting switch after switch on, each, on either garland or mitchell and it felt like in the first half they didn't really go to that and then in the second half the Cavs were so confident maybe brunson was a bit down on himself but it he didn't really even have a lot of luck, and part of that was like the Cavs sending extra guys over and kind of deterring Brunson. Like, all right, if you you could beat Garland, but like you're gonna get swallowed up by Evan Mobley. But it it kind of felt like the Knicks weren't able to weaponize that the same way they were in Game One.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the Knicks' offense, when it's humming at its best, it's a lot of it is a lot of isolations, um, as we know, but it's also a lot of matchup matchup hunting. And when the Knicks are at their best, it's Brunson finding someone and and, and cooking him and drawing two and kicking out and Randall getting a mismatch in the post and then drawing two and kicking out to shooters. And they're just, I think they kind of went away from that. It was more so just like Brunson bringing it up the court, coming off the screen. If he has a little bit of separation, he puts it up and, and the Knicks can win a game doing that. And, but in the long run, you need other guys, especially with how the Cavs are kind of selling out on Brunson and and shrinking the floor on him. Um, But I, I just think again, like, I thought Randall in particular tonight, I thought he missed some some kind of kickouts to shooters. Um, he missed Grimes a couple times and he missed Hart a couple times. times. Um, and in terms of the guard to guard screening, as you mentioned, in the first game, I thought they did well with just about anybody who, who was screening. Like Hart had a short roll opportunity. Um, RJ had, had a really nice short roll pass. to I think yeah. it was Obi in the corner in that first game. And, and then um, obviously Grimes that we just talked about. So I, I think it's something they kind of have to go back to. They have to just keep, that's the the Cavs weak point on defense is there is there two small guards and and they have to keep pressuring that and forcing the two bigs to to protect the rim even though they are elite at that but that's that's where the Knicks drive
0: yeah I want to I want to get more into um, your point on the court being shrunk because I think uh, there were some lineup decisions that went into that um, but first Um, We are going to take a quick break, but before I do that, I wanted to remind you guys one more time that the Knicks play the Cavs Friday night at 8.30. MSG is going to be rocking, and you can catch every epic moment with SiriusXM on the SXM app. All you have to do is search Knicks. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM, and it turns out, it's not quite as easy as they thought it was. If you've had the same thought and fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Right now, the game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, whether that be players or coaches, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players making draft picks navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple season all this is challenging and all this is in a challenging and realistic game world ultimate pro basketball gm is completely free playable offline play on the go as you want and when you want we had a pretty cool locked on league and my big revelation was, man, you, you got to build through the draft. I, I think that's ultimately the key to winning the game. I won't say more than that. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. But, but just just invest heavily into draft picks, as the New York Knicks have done. Locked on Knicks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, we are back on Locked on Knicks, Gavin Shaw, alongside the great Ariel Pacheco. Um, I, I I thought um, the, the term you used, shrinking the court, that was exactly it. And, and you noted this on Twitter during the game. Um, the lineups with, with Josh Hart and RJ Barrett on the floor just feel untenable in terms of the lack of spacing and the lack of shooting. And it feels at times that Tibbs just gives a longer leash to RJ than he does to... Quentin Grimes and two Emmanuel quickly and I was I was boiling over about that in the first half and then when I watched quickly and Grimes playing the third quarter I was like eh might not have mattered tonight none of those guys really had it but just the threat that they present as shooters I mean Grimes obviously it hasn't happened for him in this series outside of one bank three in game one I just noted quickly he's only made one three through two games but Grimes was like one of the best shooters in basketball in terms of volume and efficiency. The last 15 to 20 games of his season, that's a pretty substantial sample size quickly. We know what he can do so much better um, on spot up opportunities this year, even if he missed a couple of open ones in this game. And at the very least, those guys present a threat with their shot um, the ability to beat a closeout and just the ability to make a quick decision. And especially not having Josh Hart at full strength tonight. um, I thought that was needed even more. And RJ is I, I, I thought he I thought there was some unfair criticism of him in game one, even though he shot terrible. There's some really good decision making in there. There, there wasn't any of that tonight. And I just um, I, I'm not even I, I think it would be unfair for me to ask you to be inside Tibbs's head and explain why he stuck with that for as long as he did. But I, I don't even know. What my question is, do you think we get more of that in game three? Do you think we see an adjustment where Grimes and IQ get more minutes? Because it, it just feels like RJ just kind of gets the benefit of the doubt where those guys don't at times.
1: I, I think I think the thing with RJ is that when he is right offensively, I, I think he's probably the best like driving kick guy on the Knicks. Um, Brunson is a guy who gets to the basket at will, and he can get his own shot at will, but he's driving to score. I think when RJ has the mindset let me kick out the shooters, and we t- kind of saw it tonight as well, especially in that second half. Uh, in the third quarter, they kind of went to RJ, and they, they went away from Brunson and Randall. And besides the, the shot attempts and the tough floaters that, that I think most people have a problem with when he's trying to finish over Mobley and He's, like, going away from the basket as opposed to towards it. When he's kicking out to shooters, there's a lot of good that comes from that. And I think maybe that's what Tibbs is is kind of looking for. Other than that, I don't really have an explanation um, for that. the Hart-RJ kind of lineup. I I haven't been a fan of it since the regular season. I've tweeted it out multiple times. Um, I just think that it's less about – because Hart, especially as a Nick, he shot it well, but he's not a willing shooter. So teams aren't going to guard him because he he passes up open, open ones. And then RJ just hasn't been able to hit a three in months. So it's like teams are just able to sag off them, and it, it you kind of saw it tonight too, because that lineup played extended minutes, and the Cavs just didn't respect them as shooters. I think even though Grimes and IQ they haven't shot it well, I, I still think that they do get that respect, and I think those are the kind of guys that they just see one fall that, that, that you know the other ones might start to drop as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a good point on RJM where I was holding out hope for him having success in the playoffs is um, I think it was that last game against the Celtics. I want to say where I I think we we might've talked about last time you were on, like he had like this great sequence where he like defended Tatum beautifully, got a rebound over and went coast to coast, went right by Jalen Brown. And there is still some of like what made RJ an elite prospect in a first place. I mean, just his ability to drive by essentially any defender in the league and how physical pretty much any defender in the league at the rim. But it just feels like this isn't the series for him um, as a scorer, given that Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are, are parked at the rim. Or, or at least if, if he is going to be that kind of scorer, like you want him taking advantage of the minutes where one of those two guys is um, off the floor. But let's let's switch over the, to the defensive side of the basketball because, e- again, even though the Knicks held calves to what, what in the modern NBA is, is a totally fine point total with 107 points, I, I thought there were some real issues there. Um, namely, the Knicks had no chance against Darius Garland paid a disproportionate amount of attention to donovan mitchell um and then they just couldn't get garland out of his rhythm at all um and and maybe the Cavs, like i I don't know how much we want to talk about this slightly benefited from a borderline generous whistle maybe that's that's the most (laughs) that's the nicest way i can i can put it um and garland i think shot eight free throws in the first quarter and to me that really set the tone for cleveland um, but then Karis Levert was obviously a massive issue. And honestly, I, I don't think Karis is going to play like that all series because he, he struggled this year when he's on the floor with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. And he's a guy when he was really successful in Brooklyn succeeded because the ball was in his hands. And and he was the number two option generally behind D'Angelo Russell or behind Spencer Dinwiddie on those teams. Um, but he, he fit in perfectly tonight and, I don't, I correct. Tell me if you disagree with this. I don't know if the Knicks have an answer for Cleveland's offense. If all five guys can score the basketball.
1: I think I agree just because there's are always going to be the Brunson mismatch um, on anybody. If Lavert is is doing what Lavert did tonight, um, there's nowhere to hide him. And, and we saw that tonight. I do think the Knicks are, are kind of making it a little harder on themselves by consistently matching up RJ on Garland even when like IQ is on the floor and Dash Hart when you can easily just match up IQ with Garland and then Hart with Mitchell um but yeah i think that if if all five guys are are, are hitting like that like I was tonight it's going to be real tough um and that's why you kind of have to it's kind of like a pick and poison i think one thing to know is that when Garland is the one going for Cleveland you'll usually see their whole offense start to him. It's just the nature of his play style. He's kind of like your prototypical point guard, you know, pass first looks for guys, even though Mitchell was the one who had all the assists tonight. Um, there is a difference than when Mitchell has 40 versus like when Garland is the one going. Mitchell is more so of like a pull up. Let, let me get mine kind of thing. And that's not, that's not a shot at him or anything. It's just the, like the reality of their offense. But um, I wasn't too concerned about their defense. I think the turnovers from the Knicks really compounded it. It's harder to defend and transition. Um, but yeah, I do think that Levert, if he has it going is a, is a, is a major like X factor for them.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's, I, I saw you tweeted that out too. And I, I thought it was a great point on, on Garland where he provides a, a different threat than Mitchell and granted Mitchell was, was awesome passing the ball um, with 13 assists in this game and, and occasionally Mitchell throw some just spectacular passes. But I, I think Garland is, is different in the way he, he sets tempo Cleveland and to your point just is a very natural point guard and he can Mitchell is a master manipulator as a scorer. Garland is so dangerous because he, he he has that but he's also a master manipulator as a passer and he knows how to leverage his gravity to get others going in a very special way that not a lot of guys um, in the NBA can and, and when he's when he's really hot like he was today again six for ten from three like it just it, it, it makes life for Evan Mobley who went from four for 13 to six for 11 in this game. And Jared Allen, who was four for eight, threw down some vicious dunks, Um, just much, much easier. And, and look Cleveland, like we were, we were kind of roasting them for it Um, on the podcast the other night, all of Isaac Okoro's comments about Jalen Brunson's antics. And lo and behold, Isaac Okoro uh, did not, did not play much of a role in the Knicks demise three minutes. And then he was out for the rest of the game. So if if we're going to take away one positive, that's it. Um, But I guess Cleveland lived up to what they said, right? They were the more physical team. Um, I I thought the rebounding was a major issue for the Knicks. They gave up 11 to the Cavs who are normally not particularly inclined on the offensive glass. Um, I thought Mitchell Robinson, especially early in this game, really, really battled, but it just felt like he didn't have a lot of help. And and there was a play in the second quarter um, where Julius Randle got back on defense and, and he literally just watched Evan Mobley run right across his face Catch the ball and dunk it, and it felt like that effort was was emblematic of of this entire defense, where the Knicks just it like it maybe because the shots weren't falling, they didn't feel up for it, but they just couldn't match the sheer effort they had in game one.
1: Yeah, I think Julius's defense wasn't as good as it was in game one. Um, I, I thought I thought game one Julius was legitimately good on that end, and then tonight I think he we saw some of those like oh, I'm gonna take a playoff here or there, um, and I think the Knicks need him to be good for to win this series. You know, the, 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 Cavs have more top end talent. So you gotta, you gotta win the margins and um, the, the Knicks have to do the little things to, to win these games. Um, I just, I, I'm not, I think a lot of people are going to overreact to tonight's game just because game to game, there's so many days off in between these games that all you can talk about is the last game. But I do think it's worth mentioning that it's a long series. Um, I think most people expected this series to go at least six either way. Um, and the Knicks still came away, you know, with, with home court advantage coming out of Cleveland. So that, that's big. Um, I do think that adjustments are going to be made on both sides back and forth. Um, and, and I'm curious to see what, what tips is it, going to, is going to work on now. Cause I think, I think the Knicks have some questions to answer now.
0: All right. You, you, you stole the words from my mouth. Um, I've, I've been pessimistic for too long. We'll, we'll finish up this podcast with some optimism. We're, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back and give you, give you guys some good things to chew on heading into game. Three. All right, guys, I have a bit of a dilemma this Friday night. I am going to be rolling in to Penn Station, coming from a broadcast on Long Island right at 8 30, right around tip off. And I know it's going to be torture for me to be in the building, but to not be in the building, if you know what I mean, right? Adjacent to MSG, but not watching the game. I don't want to have to head home. I want to buy some last second affordable tickets. Well, there's one solution the Game Time app. Game Time is your place for fast and easy. Tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you, with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance because you can get flash deals on tickets for all sports, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll have the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you one hundred ten percent of the difference. And the beauty of it is, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're in tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you don't have to dig through your email like you do with other apps So download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on for $20 off download the game time app today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, guys, we are back on Locked Out Knicks. I wanted to remind all of you, um, I'm sure you know, but just in case, the Knicks play the Cavs Friday night at 8.30. MSG is going to be rocking, but if you can't be there in person, you have another great option. You can catch every epic moment with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Knicks um, to to tune in. Uh, Gavin Shaw, Ariel Pacheco. Um, Ariel, man, I'm sorry. I made this podcast a real bummer. Um, what are... What do you think some of those adjustments will be defensively, and and what are some ways the Knicks can kind of turn off the faucet on Cleveland a little bit?
1: I, I think I think they need to focus in on Garland a little bit more than, than they kind of did. I think they kind of oversold their attention to Mitchell tonight. I think if Mitchell is the one that, that's beating you, uh, like obviously it hurts to see him, you know, drill those shots, and it's, he's a tough shot maker. But I, like I, like I said earlier, I think when Garland is the one that has it going, it really gets the entire offense humming. And they can't let a they can't let the other kind of the their role players, they can't let a Setty Osman or Chetty Osman, sorry, or a, or a Karis Levert get it going. Um, because then that's when if they have five guys on that court that, that are viable, there's nowhere to hide Brunson. Um I, I just think that you kind of have to sell out more so towards Garland. Let Mitchell kind of go one on one, bait him into kind of going into the one on one show. Cause even in the previous three games that the Knicks won in the regular season outside of the playoffs. It became that. It became kind of a Mitchell versus the Knicks kind of thing. And that's what you want. You want Mitchell to kind of have to go hero ball mode. So I'll be curious if the Knicks are kind of a little bit more focused on Garland next game. And I'd really like to see them switch RJ off that matchup and and, and give IQ the, that matchup when he's in the game and, and Hart or Grimes as opposed to, to leaving RJ. Because I think that gives the Cavaliers a pressure point to attack.
0: Yeah. And it also, it, it led to times where you had smaller guards on Levert. And I think that's part of yeah. why he got going. And I'd love exactly. to see RJ just from a height and strength perspective. Like I think he can bother Karis. Like Karis is slithery. There's going to be times where he, he beats RJ with speed, particularly if he's hitting threes and you have to close out him hard in a situation where you were helping on a Mitchell or helping on a Garland, but you'll, you'll live with those. Like I, I, I what was tough was when Karis could just like get inside and like he was, Five inches taller than IQ or, or six inches taller than Brunson. And that, that I think was, was kind of demoralizing at points for the Knicks. The other big thing is, and this circles back to their offense, is you can't turn the ball over 14 times in the first half, right? And, and not only that, your transition defense has to be dramatically better because Cleveland got basically like the, the true shooting on turnovers was, was like 95% because they scored 27 points off of 14 turnovers. Maybe, maybe my math is off there, but that, that's, it was, um, Like, I I didn't think the Knicks had much of a chance after that. And and granted, they cleaned it up in the second half, only had three turnovers, but that was going to be one of the battlegrounds of the series. The Cavs, the best in the NBA, um, I think all season long, but maybe just post All Star break at forcing turnovers. The Knicks in the first part of the season, very, very good at not committing turnovers, got a little bit dicier, a little bit sloppier with the ball as the season went along. Wasn't really a problem in game number one, but was a big issue tonight. And it's, I, I, I guess, I'm curious how you think they can go about that offensively obviously it's just it, part of it is being a little bit more conscientious but sometimes when they do pass more they tend to be more turnover prone but it wasn't really a lot of arid passes it felt to me more like them giving into the Cavs ball pressure at different points
1: yeah i i, I do think they had a, a number of like unforced turnovers where like you know, they thought someone was going to cut and then the ball goes out of bounds. Um, but other than that, with the ball pressure, the ball pressure has been an issue with the Knicks like all season long. When guys get up on on them, they kind of get uncomfortable. Um, and IQ has been one of the better guys at handling that pressure. But th- in these two games, you know, we obviously haven't seen that. Um, but I think I think they do need to make quicker decisions just in general. Um, there's been numerous possessions, IQ, RJ, even Brunson, where, where they're kind of like dribbling out the clock. And then by the time that they do create, you know, an advantage in the Cavs defense, there's so little time left on the clock that they're they're not the, the offense isn't able to take advantage of it. Um they're not enough time to kind of build out the play. And I, I think one thing is to it's to go a little bit quicker, um, be advantageous in transition like they were in game one, where we saw that advantage. And you know, the big reason why the Knicks have been good this season is is they took advantage of the possession game. Um and th- they didn't do that tonight. They gave up the, you know, how many turnovers you said they had? 17. Yeah, 17 17 turnovers and I think they only like got like 13 offensive rebounds which is good obviously but for the Knicks to win this series and and the advantage is on the offensive glass they need to really like dominate the glass as opposed to just winning the battle
0: yeah and 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 to your point just like I mean those two things combined the possession battle has to be dramatically in favor of the Knicks right because they don't they Brunson's super efficient but uh uh, Cleveland has two of those guys in, in, in Garland and Mitchell and the Knicks. The Knicks are not going to match their shot making. They're not going to have a guy who's I mean, maybe maybe if, maybe in our wildest dreams it quickly really gets going. But in all likelihood, they're not going to have multiple guys just reigning in 25 footers. So they have to win on the margins with their physicality. And look, game one was a fantastic um, template for that. Um, and and in game number one, I mean, I, I thought Mitchell Robinson was was a big part of that equation with his offensive rebounding he was held to just one in this game and I don't want to rip Mitch because I, I thought his defensive effort was the only thing loosely keeping the Knicks in the game early on um, he was so good like he he literally just like pretty much ate and like just gobbled up the whole basketball <laughs> when a Karis Levert shot he had another one where, where it was definitely a foul but he just met Mobley in midair completely swatted him but then I, I thought for the second straight game his his hands were were a problem where, I mean, he missed that lob in game one. And then today, like there was another play where Julius Randle just whipped one to him under the basket and kind of fumbled it. Then by the time he recovered it, his dunk got blocked. And I think the Knicks sometimes pay the price for having him in there in that defenses feel like they can leave him open for half a second, even though he's such an athletic giant target because he's probably not going to catch the ball and even if he does catch the ball he there's only one way that he can finish and there's no creativity and you compare it to someone like Allen who catches and then is so um like nifty and creative around the basket And with Mitch it's like it, it's just kind of predictable and Mobley and Allen with their length it felt like they're really able to bottle uh, bother him and, and granted like that shouldn't be like the break point for the Knicks and their offense but I, I just thought that was another source of points that they kind of lost out on in this game
1: yeah, Mitch's hands have been a problem. That's a good point. Um, I think that he's fumbled a lot of passes that like should have been like, dunks, and he's been a little bit slow to go up. He's usually very quick about like catching the ball and going up, but like he's been like I don't know like like fumbling it and, and it's like giving up free points, you know. Essentially, I think the one play kind of in the in the ideal world, um, there was that one play tonight where Brunson found Mitch for that lob when Jared Allen came over too much. That's kind of how you want to you want to take advantage of his kind of um, what's it called vertical gravity vertical gravity um and the thing with Brunson I, I think too is that when they have size on him it's kind of hard for him to see those passes um so offensively I think Hartenstein is like just from an offensive perspective Hartenstein is the better matchup for this just because he's really good at, at like kind of rotating towards that free throw line and creating a passing angle for guards and, and he's really good with that floater that, that little push shot so um I think that's one way they can kind of like help take advantage of like Allen or Mobley whoever's on him like shading over too much towards Brunson, but. Um, I, again, like you you kind of mentioned that it's not like the grand scheme of things. It's not the most important problem with the Knicks, but I, I I have noticed that as well,
0: yeah. and and then, and then hartenstein was was also, I think, just much better in in game one than he was in this game. had a real impact at eight points, five rebounds. had five and four in this game. Um, his passing has just, been completely taken away as a weapon and and you credit Cleveland. They've just been, they've been very conscientious about it. And, and look tonight was, was again, kind of the worst case scenario where it just like, it it really did feel like more like last season or one of the first 10 games of this season where guys just completely weren't on the same page. And you saw one play early where quickly kind of half cut and then gave up on it. Hardenstein just zipped it out of balance and was, was like hitting his head and like probably cursing in German. Um, That was, it was just, it was just a bummer um, that, because I think that was something I was looking for in this series as a way for the Knicks to get some easy points. Obi Toppin, who, who's also a really good passer. Like I was hoping the Knicks could do some stuff with him on the short roll. But again, it's one of those things where if, if you don't perfect it during the regular season, it's going to be hard to implement that in the playoffs. But I, I want to wrap up on, on something you noted earlier. Um, I think what would maybe kill the Knicks more than anything else in this game relative to game one, um, outside of outside of stuff Cleveland did and, and Karis LeVert's playmaking and, and Darius Garland's playmaking was Josh Hart played twenty seven minutes, but he wasn't even close to the same guy. I'm I'm kind of stunned looking at this box score. Um no one else on the Knicks was worse than minus ten and Josh Hart was minus twenty-nine in twenty-seven minutes, which feels almost impossible. And for a guy who was so far and away, I think the MVP of the Knicks first game, like he he had um one nice steal, one nice transition layup in the first half. But other than that, was pretty much absent. The most telling thing to me was that he had just one offensive rebound, didn't have a single assist in this game, and, and all that extra stuff that I, I referenced the stat the other day when we thought he was going to be out. The Knicks have played like a 56-win team with him. I think it was something like a 43-win team um, before they got him. Um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of felt like a reversion to the team they were before Hart, and that team, I know they beat Cleveland a couple times without him, but I think, frankly, that team might not be good enough to to be in this series with the Cavs. So they're, they're really going to have to hope Hard is healthy for Game 3.
1: Yeah, they, they need him at his best. They need everybody at their best. Um, um, I think they can afford to have one or two guys have a bad game, but when, like, all of their wings are just not involved, it's just tough. Um, I, I do think part of the why his numbers look so awful is – his plus-minus looks so awful is that a lot of his minutes did come with RJ tonight. And that lineup is just, it's not like I mentioned, we talked about it already, but it's untenable in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a combination of that um, being in lineups that aren't like the best for him. And then also that he, he's obviously playing through an injury. Um, so hopefully the, the couple of days off, you know, he can get back to, to form.
0: Yeah. You know what, man, bummer of a night, but I couldn't have had a better person to to talk me through it. Uh, really appreciate your insight as always. Um, b- before I let you go, can you just tell everyone one final time before i um, but before we sign off where they can find all your great work.
1: Yeah. Just follow me on Twitter at a Pacheco NBA. Easy peasy. Um,
0: again, uh, him and him and Benji Ritholtz. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it best film breakdowns for any team in the NBA. Seriously, like the depth, the level of analysis, the nuance, and you have a, a, a real ability to take complex concepts and, and put them like just in a way that everyone can understand, which I, I think, kind of shows just a a mastery of of your knowledge of the sport and is is a real boon for me as someone who struggles to get some of this stuff like it it makes it a lot simpler and then i I start seeing it in future games I'm like oh that's what ariel said um and it's it's a big help so i i really appreciate the work you do and um and and thank you for uh for for sitting through this with me
1: tonight i'm gonna i'm gonna have to come on more because these compliments are they're they're incredible (laughs) You're, 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 you're always
0: welcome you're always welcome all right guys that's it for this edition of locked on knicks uh the knicks fall. But as Ariel noted, uh, the series is still 1-1. The, the task was accomplished. Maybe it was uglier than we all would have thought. But you know what? We head back to MSG. Chance to take a series lead. Still plenty of reasons for optimism. And we thank you for, for joining us to talk through it all on next.